Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Leminski, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, lots of casting news to talk about this week at the Virtual Day of Days 2020, which was fabulous, by the way. And in case anyone missed it, I really am so sorry because there was so much fun content to watch. But the show then released a holiday teaser video that showed a host of characters making their way back to Salem, including James Lastovic as Joey, who has been in prison for three years, Teo Penglis and Leanne Hunley as Tony and Anna, Nadia Bjorlin as Chloe, Chandler Massey as Will, and Victoria Konefal making what I imagine will be a spiritual visit as Sierra, as Ben hangs his ornament on the Christmas tree in the Horton house. Also back in the swing of things are Galen Gehring as Rafe and Camila Banis as Gabby. And in the new issue, we have an interview with Galen, you know, who admitted to me that when he filmed his last episode on February 13th, which was his birthday, by the way, he really felt he was saying goodbye to the show and was excited about a new chapter. Well, haha, sure enough, the soap called him to come back, but the pandemic put those plans on hold. He returned in September and said that he was a little worried about memorizing his lines again, but all went well. He's so happy and grateful to be back. And he also said that storyline-wise, um, what's coming up and what's airing now, you know, he feels is really great and the show is firing on all cylinders under head writer Ron Carlovati. Well, in addition to that bounty of comings, we've got a bounty of goings, all courtesy of GH, which killed off Dev and Dustin in the big explosion at the floating rib. Uh, It also appears to have well killed off that set since the building was leveled. Uh, Now, this is no shade at all at Ashton Arbob, who played Dev, but I was never a huge fan of the character. You know, the other teens on that show, I think, are so realistic. And then you had this Turkish orphan who had sneaked into the country and Sonny was passing him off as Brando's son, even though Brando, I I think, is pretty clearly played as way too young to have a high school senior for a son. I don't know. I was just never sold. But I got way more interested in Dev when he started playing dirty to keep Joss and Cam apart. Uh, And I totally love that he died without telling them the truth about forging her diary entry to make Cam think that she didn't enjoy their kiss. Me too. Good drama right there. Uh, As for poor doomed Dustin, 
I spoke to his portrayer, Mark Wasson, this week, and we'll have his exit interview in an upcoming issue. Uh, Mark was, you know, really grateful for the opportunity he's had to recur with the show since mid-2019 and had nothing but wonderful things to say about his GH experience overall, uh, particularly about working with Frank Valentini again. Frank was uh, previously his executive producer at One Life, uh, and also getting to work with M. Rylan, who was his leading lady as Lulu. You know, a lot of times soaps have big explosions and no one dies, or maybe a really minor character dies. And I thought it made for a really compelling show to have two characters who, even if they weren't like total front-burning players, uh, they were so well-established, uh, both die as a result of Cyrus forcing Julian to detonate that bomb. I agree. And just even production-wise, I think the show did such an amazing job. Like, it really played out like kind of like an action-adventure, like, little mini-movie. Uh, Absolutely. And great did performances. Uh, Will DeRai did it, did, it, did it to me, I tell you. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, speaking of fireworks, there are going to be some huge stories that will bring November to a close and kick off December. So on Bold and Beautiful, Liam is going to sleep with Steffi after seeing what he thinks is Thomas kissing Hope. So I have to say, I'm totally here for it. You know, I'm not one of those people who cares if Liam is a big old flip-flopper between Hope and Steffi, but I do actually think that Liam and Steffi are like my pick of that triangle. I mean, nothing against Hope, of course, but I don't know. I just feel like Liam and Steffi are the end game, you know, in my mind at least. Um, and I think that's going to be such a juicy twist, especially since she and Finn have like already said, I love you and are embarking on their new romance. Um, so expect a lot of action there. Over on YNR, Chance and Abby's wedding will begin on December 1st. And as we mentioned last week, Donnie Boaz tested positive for the coronavirus. So Melissa Ordway, who plays Abby, will have a new co-star in her real life hubby, Justin Gaston, who stepped in. So he will be her groom, which is gonna be kind of great, only in that we'll get to see a kiss at the altar that we would not have otherwise seen if Donnie had still been in the role. Absolutely. Um, we're also going to see Jane Elliott return to GH as Tracy coming up. Uh, she is always such a welcome sight, and she'll be coming home to a very tense quarter main home, given that Ned is hiding his tryst with Alexis from Olivia. Um, I really hope that we get to see her telling off Valentine for stealing control of ELQ out from under the family. Uh, there's, there's also going to be you know, huge fallout from everything that went down at the floating rib and some true surprises in store for like very major players, uh, not only in Port Charles, but Port Charles faves who are currently elsewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you watch that day's preview, like you know that show is not going to skimp on the drama as 2020 draws to a close either. Oh, you can be sure of that. Um, and you know, the wedding I mentioned on YNR also coincides with the show's 12,000th episode. And one actress we will see come back to Genoa City is our guest today, Trisha Cast, who is reprising the role of Nina, which she first began playing in 1986. Now, Mara, you know that Cricket was tops with me, and I loved everyone in her story. So Nina has been one of my YNR faves since then, and I am so excited to check in with her and talk about her comeback and see what she's been up to. Hi, Trisha. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us today. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Um, you're talking to two people who are very excited that you are back on the show um, I, Mar and I were talking that, I mean, really the Cricket, Nina, Danny, all that whole young story was why I started watching Young and the Restless. That um, I'm, I'm so pleased. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to be there and I'm happy that you're happy that I'm there. 
<laughs> well, let's start in the beginning. You were born in Medford, Long Island, and broke into the business when you were very young, making your television debut in 1979. So tell us how you got your start in show business. Well, uh, I was even younger than that when um, I started doing plays, both at um, the elementary school that I went to, and my dad um, went to uh, a college, took classes um, in summer stock. So uh, whenever they needed a kid in summer stock, I would go play. And so I had a bit of a knack for it and got an agent and um, very quickly got hired. So I was super lucky. So, I mean, did you make the move to California to pursue acting or did it follow that because you started to get gigs, you guys had to move? No, my dad was quite an adventurer as well as my mom. I'm one of uh, six kids. I'm I'm one of seven kids. I have six brothers and sisters. And uh, he wanted to uh, go on an adventure. So he packed us all up and we took two years coming across uh, the country in a Winnebago and um, ended up in California because that's where the ocean started and my mom didn't like boats. So, <laughs> uh, so I, it, we landed there in like 1972, 1973, something like that. And so we were already there when I started working. So for two seasons, you starred as Amanda Wurlitzer on The Bad News Bears, where your co-stars included a very young Corey Feldman and an equally young Christoph St. John, who would later become your YNR co-star as Neil. Um, So tell us, first of all, like, what do you remember about landing that job? And like, did you have to prove that you're bad at baseball? (laughs) Uh, Actually, uh, I remember a lot about that from the from the audition to um, the later seasons, the later shows. Uh, I actually <laughs> learned learned to lie <laughs> on auditions because of that because uh, the the casting director was very um, welcoming and and brought me immediately to the producers who asked me very quickly, you know did I play baseball? And I said, no, not really. And the, and the cast director later took me and says, anybody asks you if you can do something, you say yes, <laughs> and you learn. And so, okay, I got it. So uh, they hired me anyway. And uh, it was a great fun. It was a whole new world. Um, I felt competent. As, as part of a cast, I had come from theater. So I was uh, comfortable with the ensemble idea. And um, I remember... Uh, getting a super uh, concentrated education, uh, both on um, tele, it was actually filmed, um, and uh, I got an education in the classroom as well. Um, It was the first time, you know, I'd been out of school like that, and it was uh, a trip. I was with, you know, all the boys in the classroom, and uh, I remember being really uh, grateful to my teachers there. There were two of them. And um, they, uh, I had a really good education as well as um, a learning experience for acting. What do you remember about Christoph at that age? Uh, he was fun and funny. And uh, he was um, my best friend there. Um, we had a lot of laughs. We did a lot of um, publicity things. And so where, and we'd go off, we'd go to the parades or that we, we, we'd go to look, you know, these locations, we'd, we'd all go on mass, but, uh, Christoph and I always, uh, pretty much, we were the oldest ones. We paired off and, 
and always had a lot of fun together. Mm-hmm. Now, given how young you were and, you know, new to the business somewhat, were you crushed when the show was canceled or did you take it in stride? I, I pretty much took it in stride. Um, it, it, it's, I don't know what I can say here. It, it was, it was looking like it wasn't working out like at the, like at the middle of the second season. I think that um, we had a lot of um, trouble with um, parents who didn't quite like the, uh, the irreverence of the children. <laughs> so it was, so they started to have to change a little bit and it, and it just sort of lost its charm and it's, um, it lost its heart a little bit. Um, again, I don't know what I should say about that, but um, so it was looking like it, 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 it was going to go. Let me see if I can put this in a, in a better situation. Yeah. When the show ended, I was, Sad to see it go, but I was also happy to move on to the next chapter. Well, uh, you certainly continued to work. There were many more chapters. Um, one of the, the uh, episodic uh, series that you did was Little House on the Prairie. What do you remember about uh, working with the star of that show, Michael Landon? I was over the moon about it. I was a huge Laura Ingalls Wilder fan. I read the books. I watched the show. I love Westerns to this day because of it, I think. Um, I was just so pleased and starstruck. Um, And as a matter of fact, uh, there were some kids that I worked with there. And one of them was Jason Bateman. And when Jason Bateman got his show, uh, It's Your Move, he was kind enough to have me come read because he had remembered me from that show. And uh, Jason and I worked for a little while together, too, on the sitcom. Wonder what ever happened to him. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about it, your move. Uh, that was great fun. Um, that was so brilliantly written. And again, it was such a fun situation uh, on set. Um, Jason and I were in the same schoolroom and... Uh, and it, I mean, it was just, I got a huge education from him about comedy timing. Um, and everyone on that show was, was purely professional and brilliant. And uh, I, I, again, had a, had a super concentrated uh, tutorial on comedy. Uh, well, a few years later, uh, in 1985, you made your daytime debut as Christy Duvall on Santa Barbara. Uh, what's your Santa Barbara casting story? Oh, um, well, I remember the very first scene that they gave me, the, the scene that I auditioned with, um, it was super wordy and, and her energy was almost like she was on uppers, you know what I mean? She was <laughs> super energized. And so um, it was... I, I wanted the part because I liked Christy so much. So I remember uh, working very hard on that audition. And, uh, and uh, I, I think that it, it probably was very much the same when I recorded it, uh, when, they, when they did the, my first show there. It was probably very, very close to what I auditioned with. Uh, it was with Missy Reeves, as a matter of fact, my first scene there. Wow. Jade Perkins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to take your word for it. I have no idea what that character's name was. <laughs> well, you were there for about six months. So what, uh, what stands out to you most vividly about your time there? Uh, 
Well, it was the first soap opera I had done. So uh, what stood out to me then was the speed with which everything was getting done and uh, realizing very quickly that I needed to uh, be on my toes over there and, um, and uh, be uh, ultra prepared, um, which I sometimes achieved and sometimes did not. But uh, uh, I, I learned very quickly that um, th these things go, go fast and, uh, and whether, uh, you know, whether you feel like you've done your performance or not, they're going to move on. And so you better, you better come with it. Mm -hmm. Valuable, valuable lesson in this genre for sure. Um, so in 1986, you uh, began your long and wonderful association with Young and the Restless uh, when you were hired to play Nina Webster. So give us your YNR casting story. Again, I really wanted the part because I really wanted Nita. Um, and uh, I, remember the, I remember it so well. I uh, was in that hallway. I'm sure you've been there, that, that big long hallway that leads to the offices at the Young and the Restless. And I was sitting on the bench outside of the elevators uh, studying my lines. And I actually went into that bathroom that's right behind there and fed my lines to the mirror. And, I, uh, I, uh, so, and then I walked down the hall and uh, met Ed. No, I, met, I think it was Wes Kenny first. Or it might have been Ed first. It was, I can't remember now. Anyway, Ed, Wes Kenny, Bill Bell, it was all very close in that thing. I think I might have come back that same day to meet Bill Bell. Um, and uh, let's see, what, I was just very excited. I, I again, I, I wanted the part, so mm -hmm. I worked hard. So if I have this right, you actually started out recurring and then the show offered you a contract. So do you remember how long you were originally slated to be there and like how you found out they wanted to keep you around? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I was, um, I'm not sure how long I was supposed to be there. I, I only, I only went day to day. Um, I assumed that it would, it would end at any moment. And, and then I, I actually got a letter, I believe just before, um, it looked like my storyline was, was closing down and they said well thank you very much it's been lovely working with you uh have a nice life and I was like oh okay <laughs> so I went in and it looked like my last day and I said uh to Ed um it's been really nice thank you so much I, I hope uh, you enjoyed it as much as I did and I, I you know, said well what are you talking about I said well I'm, I'm assuming I'm I'm done he goes no no, you're not. <laughs> so uh, I just crossed my fingers and um, a little time went by because Nina had run away and uh, I, I'm not sure how many weeks went by, but we, then she turns up on the park bench. I don't know if you remember that. She was, she was uh, a mess. They called me a, they called me dirt bag for, I mean, I, I think they still call me dirt bag. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Nina was introduced as a pregnant teen and this whole storyline had her living in this home for unwed mothers that was run by Rose DeVille. And um, she was, of course, secretly operating a black market baby ring. And the role of Rose was played by the late Darlene Conley, yeah. who went on to play Sally on The Bold and the Beautiful. What do you remember about working with Darlene? Oh, she was such a big character and a... And a and a serious actress. I, um, I remember uh, the 
the, the temperature in the room kind of coming down when we did our scenes, I, 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 she, she was super grounded um, and, and very, um, like I say again, serious. And it was, it was really wonderful working with her. She was such a talent. And uh, she made you feel like she was really that horrible. <laughs> you know I mean? She had a, she had a, a great uh, work ethic and it, and it came across. Mm-hmm. Well, now Cricket Blair was one of the first people Nina got to know in Genoa City and her portrayal. Cricket Blair. Yeah. Laura Lee Bell <laughs> is a dear friend of yours in real life. Yes. Uh, so tell us about your relationship with Laura Lee. And just so you know, I only refer to her as Cricket. <laughs> as do I. Right. As you should. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we we're fairly fast uh, friends. Um, and we just sort of clicked. We just get along. I really love her. She's, um, she's a true friend. And I, I hope that, um, that I can be that for her as well. What are your memories of uh, Laura Lee's parents, the co-creators of YNR, Lee Philip Bell and William J. Bell? Uh, fun and funny and um, larger than life. And uh, it was, it, uh, you of course, there's this first impression that is just awe of what they've accomplished and this enormous machine that they have running. And then, uh, you know, you, you, you get in a room and Bill starts the dad jokes. <laughs> so it's, he, they were both just so welcoming and lovely. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to describe how much of a family it is and was and will always be for me. Mm-hmm. Now, you also enjoyed a very close relationship with the late Jean Cooper, who, of course, played Catherine. Um, tell us about that friendship and what she meant to you. Yeah, she, um, she, she had a way of um, balancing how serious this whole thing was and how very not serious the whole thing was. And I'm talking about work and life and the whole thing. Um, she had a way of um, uh, um, getting down to the root of things uh, if, if something was a problem, it, it wasn't a problem for very long. You, uh, you know, if you, if you had a situation, it was like, ah, you know, do the right thing and then let it go. So, I mean, that was sort of a, a philosophy that I picked up from her anyway. She was, it was a balance. She was very, very balanced and loved to have fun and was so good with people. Uh, I wish I had some of that. She, she had a way of making people feel at home and welcomed. And of course, she was that way with me. She, she let me into her home for those two years that I was back there and, and, and doing those things. She gave me a key, you know, and, uh, and a room. And it was, it was everything at that, at that moment. And, uh, and sh- she also, again, uh, an excellent um, uh, an excellent teacher of, of what's important in soap operas. And that was the unspoken tension that lies under every scene. Every, every, everything had a thread of tension. And uh, that's what I 
took away from her. And that's what I strive to uh, employ in, in every scene that I do. Well, in 1989, probably very much uh, something that upset Steph is that Nina seduced Cricket's boyfriend, Philip Chancellor III, and had his baby, Philip Chancellor IV, now known as Chance. And she and Philip got married, and uh, this made Jill, her mother-in-law, our condolences. Uh, but tell us about working with Jess Walton, Jill's portrayer. Oh, oh, uh, what do I say? It was, especially the scenes with the, the three of us, with uh, Jean and Jess and I, too much fun. Entirely too much fun running away with uh, the scenes uh, Jess always did. And she was brilliant, is brilliant. Um, I just remember laughing. We just laughed so much. Um, there were scenes in the attic, especially, <laughs> that were just so delicious and over the top. And... Uh, they um, they stick in my mind for how much fun they were. Well, then Philip died, or so we thought, and Nina inherited big bucks upon his death. So do you remember if that was a fun beat to play, like Nina going from rags to riches in such a marked way? Well, sure. I mean, who wouldn't love to play that? And uh, I think, though, that... Um, they did that kind of quietly, which I which I really appreciated. Um, sh unless I'm I'm wrong, and you guys can tell me, but I don't think she sort of flaunted it or anything like that. I think that if I can recall correctly, she was just pleased that she was going to be able to, um, you know, have a roof over her head and and give her son uh, the opportunities that he deserved. You guys tell me. Was, was, yeah, was, I don't, I don't am think, I right about that? I don't think she bought, like, a mini mansion and sequins, you know, from head to toe. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, now, the downside of Nina's new financial security, though, was that it made her a target for David Kimball, uh, who seduced her and planned to kill her for her money. Uh, but before things got quite so murdery, she <laughs> took him as her date to Danny and Cricket's wedding in Hawaii, one of my all-time favorites. What are your memories of going uh, on location to Hawaii with Laura Lee and Michael Damien and the whole gang? It was a ball. I felt like a princess. It was just fantastic. We all stayed in the same hotel. Uh, it was really hard work, but we still... I think basically most of us did not sleep because we worked so hard all day and were determined to enjoy Hawaii at night. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was debauchery. <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we had a good time and what a beautiful Island and to enjoy it with all my friends like that. It was, it was fantastic. It was, it was a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Everyone should do that. Go work and play in Hawaii. So the David Nina story was huge at the time, you know, especially when Nina shot David like six times, but who's counting? So what stands out to you about that storyline for which you ultimately took home the 1992 Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Younger Actress? They were intense scenes, um, I recall. And uh, I, I, again, I just feel so lucky that I was given that kind of material. You can't. You can't do anything with it's not on the page, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and all of that stuff was just so beautifully blocked out and, uh, and the, the arcs were brilliant. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. 
I didn't, I didn't win that thing. Everybody who wrote and directed and helped out with that won that thing. I mean, I beg to differ. I remember watching that one show where they put all the flashbacks in, you know, and, and told the whole tale. And I was so riveted and wowed by you. And I was like, she's going to win an Emmy. And then you did. So I remember when your name was called. What do you remember about when your name was called? Uh, I was um, kind of shocked. I, it was a bit of a dream. I'll tell you what was going on then. Well, first of all, Christoph had won just before me, and I was just so pleased for him. And then I had an impacted molar, and I was on drugs <laughs> for, uh, for my molar. And that whole... Uh, weekend was a bit swimmy for me. I, 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 I'm not, I, I remember, uh, I remember a really nice hotel room. I think we stayed at like the St. Richard's on something like that. And then I remember a couple of interviews afterwards, but, um, and then the plane ride home, I went from the plane, uh, when we got back to Los Angeles directly to the dentist who pulled my molar out, my, my, um, wisdom tooth. So, uh, and then, and that's when I cried. <laughs> it's like it was such a it was such a um, uh, a whirlwind situation. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Kristoff, who had joined the show, so we mentioned that you two had already worked together and were friends. So, what was it like to reunite with him in Genoa City? It was great. I uh, ran into him in the hall. I said, "What the hell are you doing?" He goes, "I'm on the show." I said, "No, you're not." He said, "Yes, I am." I said, well, maybe we could work together. Wouldn't that be great? And we, we never really did. We had a couple of group scenes together, but I, w- I w- would have really loved to work with him on that show. And um, it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was, I had a, I had a old friend there every day. And I think we even, I think we even had the same room when we weren't working. So we would leave notes for one another in our rooms and in our, in our room. And, um, uh, it was fantastic. I had a, I had a buddy. Love that. Well, another significant relationship uh, in Nina's life was the relationship that she had with Brian, played by Scott Reeves, uh, husband of your old Santa Barbara scene partner, Missy. That's right. Uh, what was Scott like as a leading man? He's a shining star. He was uh, adorable and super talented. Uh, I loved the way he worked. Uh, you know, he would come in and we'd do it a couple times on on the stage after blocking. And then we'd, you know, not see each other until we did the scenes. And and uh, he was really natural, such a natural actor. And uh, uh, I remember feeling super comfortable. It was a very comfortable um, pairing of, of characters. And uh, I, I, I liked it. It was... It was a, a a really good experience working with him. He's he's uh, nice too. I mean, he's a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, skipping ahead a bit into in two thousand, after a fourteen year run, you chose to leave the show, and they agreed to release you from your contract. So, tell us about why you made that decision. I fell madly, deeply, head over heels in love with a songwriter who uh, lives in Nashville, and um, we sort of just decided we were going to run away together. So we, we joined hands and came out here and um, have, have lived the last 20 years um, uh, just kind of um, getting away with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, he, he passed about a year ago, and that's a very sad thing for me. 
but um, I'm so happy and lucky to have had that time with him. Glad that I did it. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry, your loss. Absolutely. Um, so in 2008, uh, you you came back for like a short time, and then I think the following year you kicked off a, a longer return to Genoa City and recurred uh, from 2009 to 2012. If I have those years right, what was it like for you to be back at the studio after not only such a long gap but such a change in lifestyle in the intervening years? Uh, well, you know, Jean again really helped me out. I would fly in, I'd get a car, and I I. Drop my bag of jeans. I had I had one duffel bag, and I would not check baggage. I'd get on the plane. I I only flew Southwest because they let me change my flight whenever I want to. And um, with this particular business, you you got to remain flexible. So I would. Um, and uh, after I'd flown a little bit on there, they gave me this little card that said I could get on the plane first. So that was fantastic. <laughs> so uh, I would, uh, no, no, they've, <laughs> they've long forgotten me. Um, but um, so I would, I would pack one bag that went under my seat. I didn't even use the overhead bin because it took too long. <laughs> so I would kick it under the seat in front of me and I'd put on my headphones and listen to WTF and uh, all the music that I wanted, and I was there in you know a few hours, and it was fantastic to be able to just transport myself and go and work. And again, they had a fantastic storyline for me with the with the kids there, and uh, and I, I just I loved every minute of it. And then I would come back here and check the tomatoes. So. <laughs> Well, it was during that stretch that viewers found out the reports of Philip III's death years prior had been greatly exaggerated. So <laughs> what was it like to work with Tom Beards again, you know, for oh, his time in decades? Yeah, it was great. He's a wonderful, wonderful person and a, and a talented actor and painter and everything else. He's super creative. And uh, it was really nice to revisit that relationship between Philip and Nina and then have it grow into something different it was it was brilliant it was brilliantly uh put together and written and I, I enjoyed it so it was it was also during this time that uh, nina embarked on a relationship with paul and also was reunited with uh, the son who had been stolen from her at birth way back in her introductory storyline um and it was ronan played by jeff branson how would you rate jeff branson as an on-screen son uh, 10, 11, <laughs> uh, really, really a wonderful, uh, again, uh, actor and, uh, such a charismatic, um, on screen. I thought, I thought he had a great presence on screen and I loved working with him too, because he again, worked very much the same way that I did it. You, I, I like to go in and, and, you know, run lines and get the lines down and, and understand what the scene's about and then come in and uh, let it organically happen. And I, I believe he, he was that sort of uh, an actor, too. It was, it was a very um, smooth, smooth operation when he was around. Mm -hmm. I mean, over the years, did you ever think that they were going to tap into that story and that that would come full circle? Didn't we all just cross our fingers for it? <laughs> I mean, it had to be. It had to happen. And and I thought they did a fantastic job with it. Mm -hmm. There's there was no other way to uh, to deal with that except the way they did. It was it was brilliant. I, I loved it. 
Uh, yeah, totally. Um, now, in 2017, a few years like after you'd been away from the show again, you took part in like that epic photo shoot that CBS did for. Uh, it was to celebrate right its 30 years atop the Nielsen ratings, and there were stars everywhere you looked from YNR, B&B, and Guiding Light, and As the World Turns, which were off the air at that point. What do you remember about that day and that experience? Uh, I, it was like a big party. Um, and uh, I I've just remember feeling, uh, it was, what's the word, uh, included, um, honored, uh, just that they would have me in that. I was very, very excited about it. And all these people, I didn't see a lot of people because they sort of, they sort of, it was a big day. And so we, we, they sort of kept us in little, little groups. And then we all came together and, and, you know, the the posing of the, of the photograph was, was only a, a, a small part of the entire day that everybody was getting, getting ready and in and out of makeup and hair and stuff. So I, I just felt, I mean, a super small part of a very big, big thing and was, uh, <clears throat> was quite honored to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've really carved out a different kind of life for yourself, living far from Hollywood. Uh, so tell us about your life in Tennessee. It's super simple, super quiet, um, especially these last eight months. Um, and uh, I live on a big place with a small house and um, lots of trees. Uh, and I quilt and I read and I um I learn stuff I like Google for like learning things so uh so I spent a lot of time like looking stuff up and um just sort of a very a real quiet simple life right now mm-hmm. do you ever run into Scott Reeves who is also Nashville based no he's at the opposite and I'm I'm out west he's down south and um we're we're not that far away but but again um especially when well when my husband was alive we we didn't go anywhere we just stayed home and and had fun by ourselves and then um so you know now that now that I'm alone it does seem like the logical step is to you know start cultivating some friends again, but it was made impossible by the situation that we have at hand. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, it's not out of the question. And uh, there's always time, I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are poised to return to the show for the occasion of its upcoming 12,000th episode celebrations on November 30th. So, you know, what does it mean to you that Nina keeps getting written in like every, every few years or that this character still resonates today in Genoa city. I'm so blessed. I'm just, I'm just, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom how incredibly lucky I am um, that I was ever part of that show and that, and that it's still kind of um, that that it's still open to me for me to be there. Um, And uh, I, I have a lot of people to thank for it there there's some people who are pulling for me uh both in um the world of the fans and also on stage so um i'm super grateful and lucky and i will lay my life on the line for that show 
You know, uh, when Soap Opera Digest got to break the news of your return online, you know, the likes were flying, you know, like it's always so warmly received. You know, what does that part of it mean to you that it's not just like your pals at the show, you have this passionate fan base that still loves Nina and welcomes every opportunity to see you and her. I think that we're on the same page. I love her too. And I want to see her do stuff too. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just as big a fan as, <laughs> as they are of the character and of the storylines that she's had and the relationships that she's had. I'm, I'm just as, I'm just as thrilled as they are that, um, that Nina gets to, uh, be a part again for a little while if you know if if that's all that's great if and so that's not what I meant to say but you know what I mean (laughs) uh I uh I'm just a big a fan as they are of Nina. Now, when you first stepped on that set in 1986, could you ever have foreseen that in 2020 you would be doing the same again? No, no. Uh, I'm not the kind of person who who looks ahead anyway. <laughs> um, I, I, I sort of live in the moment. So um, it certainly never occurred to me. That <laughs> what, how long has it been? When it's gonna oh. be uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Wait, hold on a second. No, it's thirty-five, 35 years. years. Oh, 30, yeah, next year, thirty-four years now. Thirty-four yeah. years. That's ridiculous. That's that's more than half my age. It's very silly. I know. It's it's it's. Inc- I it's, I don't have words. But it's nuts. Uh, you know, on a personal level, getting to see your friends and colleagues there again, what was it like to actually walk back into the building this time? Like riding a bike, uh, like uh, just going home and, and oh, you know, just getting scripts and learning lines and um, walking on that stage. You know, it smells the same. The, the faces are the same. The, the whole thing is so familiar and so welcoming uh, that um, it's it was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, before we let you go, so you are marking um, 35 years this year since your debut on Santa Barbara. So you have been in daytime for, 35 <laughs> years. you know, can you even put into words like how it's changed your life or what it's done for your life to be this associated with soaps? Uh, you know, being a working actor at all is, is phenomenal. It's, I mean, the percentage of us that get to make some living at it is so small. And then to have a steady gig for this, for this long is another, it's a, it's like winning the lottery three times. You just, it just doesn't happen. So uh, I'm always super grateful and, and always looking for a way to, to give back. And if I could just take this opportunity to thank you guys and fans for for allowing us to do this for so long it's it's my my heart is full thank you well we cannot wait to see you back mara and i will be very tuned in (laughs) um thank you so much for joining us today and it was great to catch up and we wish you very happy holiday season absolutely thank you you too you guys take care Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Trisha Cast for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. <laughs>